0: Welcome back to Probably About Politics. This episode, Fiji, a small island country in the South Pacific. We're back in the South Pacific again for what seems like the third time this season already.
1: Yeah, it's a fun, it's a fun region.
0: It is a region that we don't talk about much here in Canada. We don't get a lot of news from Fiji uh, for some reasons that we will maybe talk about later. Uh, It's a Small island country made up of 300 or so islands, just over 100 of which have uh, residents permanently inhabiting them. Um, it's mm-hmm. just to the uh, northeast of New Zealand, with Vanuatu to the west, New Caledonia to the southwest. It is a parliamentary system there, unicameral, mm-hmm. and has a population of just under a million people, spread out over a 100 islands
1: yeah that's the, that's one of the things that i think maybe is nice of us doing this is like so as we discussed in one of the podcasts i was recently in this part of the world visiting some uh a small pacific island um and i spent not very long uh a day or so in fiji but it's like a whole area of geography that can be such a huge blind spot i think if you don't realize like how many islands there are and how what like Fiji's not just a big island it's uh a...
0: it's many islands yeah there are two main islands as well uh with sort of groups of islands considered as sort of how we would consider things to be provinces it seems like this group mm-hmm. of islands and these scattered islands kind of
1: about 14
0: i think Four- yeah type of groups sort of thing so the uh the election that's being contested is the general election in Fiji Uh, There are three main parties running 234 candidates for 50 total seats in an open list uh, proportional representation system, which we'll remember is the voter actually has a say in which candidate they vote for rather than the party and going down the list made by the party themselves. If a certain candidate receives more votes, they get into parliament. It's not based on just whatever order the party chooses. And interestingly, despite having all these islands, Fiji is contested as one single constituency with a 5% threshold.
1: Yes. Yeah. Which I think that's a, it's another situation of like small population, but very dis- dispersed and, and, and likely you imagine very a wide variety of issues that they primarily face. So it is an interesting choice of electoral system for sure.
0: Actually, interestingly, going into this uh, election, the, the one, uh, last poll that I saw had the uh, the NFP, the National Federation Party, led by uh, Mr. Prasad, polling at just about five percent. And so they currently have um, three seats in the parliament. But uh, mm-hmm. if if they can't pull in that that extra point one percent vote. Though though we'll completely lose uh, representation in the parliament, which is a small interesting thing to note before we really dive in. Yeah. So if we want to start maybe with a bit of history of why we have a one constituency 50 member uh, unicameral parliament uh, is really, it it has come out of this uh, about a decade of um, military rule. From 2006 until 2014, when the when the last election really was, uh, before that yeah. there was more coups uh, leading to uh, the, the the state of affairs from about 2000 onwards, in which the current Fiji First Prime Minister Frank Bainimarama uh, really played a prominent role in the quelling of the citizen-led coup to kind of lead his own sort of coup within a coup, it's called.
1: Yeah. So I think that's so when we're talking about this election I think for listeners and and so, and for us in in thinking about it, it's very it's important to note like this is the second election since 2006 I think yeah. so is it in that timeline there there is not a huge a hugely established practice of of this particular electoral style occurring um, and they yeah, so it's it's being sort of called a bit of a historic election just because it's purely because it's it's like the second one.
0: Yeah, it's really the first election probably under this current methodology that is really seeing yes. as is being seen as a more free election. the The twenty fourteen vote, it's really tough to. Well, first of all, there hadn't been a vote in a long time, and so. I think a lot of the parties uh-huh. have learned a lot about there are there were many independents running in that election, which is tough to get elected in a, a, yeah. a proportional representation type system where uh, you need an over this entire country. So you need enough vote to actually get into get into parliament. To, so that was really in. tough. And I think the uh, the choice of candidates and the method of choosing the candidates by the parties has really uh, evolved since that 2014 election.
1: Yeah, and I think that, and and just when you're in, going into this situation where there's such a history of coups, you, you do develop, like, there is a, a certain level of, of, especially probably in the first one, and I'm sure it'll continue, we'll, we'll probably talk about this, but continue to influence even the second election. There's a, a, a sense of risk that if this doesn't go the way that that one party, say, wants it to go, that you, you do end up in another coup situation, that you feel more vulnerable more wanting to stick with the status quo and just keep things
0: yeah that's that's absolutely true and we see that um in that in that first election uh there was really not a lot of confidence that if the vote had gone a different way that it would necessarily be respected and some of those concerns remain with this 2018 election Just as an example of that, an interesting point that I found was that within the office of the supervisor of elections, uh, the attorney general, minister of elections, and the secretary general. Of Fiji First, which is the the incumbent ruling party, uh, is the same man Ayaz uh, Sayed Kayum, mm-hmm. which I mean obviously calls into question a lot of the legitimacy of the rulings of that um, supervisor of elections office yeah. uh, when all of their rulings are so tightly controlled by the the incumbent government.
1: Uh, yeah, that's I mean yeah, who I think in the news media of late, it's been talked about a lot about who, who gets to control, uh, yeah, voter lists and, and voter registration and, and voting practices just like internationally. So it is interesting to look at it in this, in this situation. I think additionally it's, so I was reading and, and this is from Freedom House, a, a sort of an American NGO, but it's like the, the ruling party is sort of noted for frequently, frequently interfering with opposition activities and the judiciary is subject to political influence. And there's, a, there's issues with military police brutality mm-hmm. and, and all these sort of factors. I think, yeah, they do make it. So, I mean, they're, they certainly detract from those who will want to just run and, and take a shot at, at it. But also the, the idea that it's, it's worth it to vote for somebody who is not the main. Exactly.
0: And we see that with the sort of trouble with the law. That uh, the leader of the Social Democratic Liberal Party, or Sodelpa as we'll be referring to them, uh, Sitoveni Rabuka, the amount of trouble that yes. he's had and uh, the amount of kind of legal action that he's attempting to take to kind of fight back against these allegations and these problems that he's having. And yeah. the Sodelpa is um, the second party, like the second largest party. So even if he's being attacked this strongly, um, imagine. Yeah being an independent or a smaller
1: party but i i I just want to say like i think also important to note about him is that he is also a former uh prime minister coup leader as well um so so the two primary uh like prime ministerial candidates have both been leaders in coups that have occurred in fiji the history that the primary sort of main political figures carry with them like there wasn't like a, a there wasn't like a clean slate coming in with, with political leaders after these, after the coups and, and settling into this sort of idea of, of electoral democracy. Yeah, it
0: kind of, uh, it actually really reminds me of the uh, Ugandan election in a way.
1: Yes, yeah. Uh,
0: the and, <laughs> In... Uh, and I'm sure uh, there are obviously examples of this in many countries and many elections all throughout history. Uh, but just in one that we covered in that once you come out of this uh, time of turmoil in a country uh, and instability, mm-hmm. there are certain voices that lead <laughs> that coup normally or some sort of overthrow of a previous regime or government, uh, mm-hmm. be they uh, elected or taken by force. And those those kind of voices are really echo throughout the next 2030 sometimes 40 years of uh democracy yeah. in that country and it it really shows that it takes a really long time mm-hmm. to kind of to overcome these things and not even to necessarily overcome them but to uh to kind of move past uh this history
1: yeah and then, then it'll be that like it's it's somewhat cyclical I just like you will see setbacks or, and, and, and it's, yeah, it's, it's, you're not just going to suddenly be this functioning, uh, well, uh, functioning, maybe not the word, but this like succeeding democracy who's, who doesn't have any setbacks. It's, and the reality is, is like they, these people who, who were involved in, in say a coup or in, in a military action or say, you know, a point of turmoil for the country um, that they had to get through, they still live in the country. They're still part of the country. Mm-hmm. And so, so the reconciliation process, I think, for for countries who are trying to come through this, I think, is is such an ongoing problem that every like like countries we're constantly covering are, are dealing with. Like Colombia is definitely dealing with it. I think Brazil had elements of mm-hmm. dealing with that. Just number of elections, I think we see the reconciliation process of points of of where you know where people's rights were being infringed on, or where where significant trauma happened in the country when that is struggling to happen, how that can impact uh, your democracy.
0: Yeah. So getting towards the actual election and the voting process. Yeah, sure. So this vote is kind of seen as a little bit uh, better than the 2014 vote, uh, improved (laughs) uh, democracy. But so there's there's three kind of interesting points that I want to kind of touch on here. And that is one uh, the abolishment of the Senate and how we now have a single constituency for a million people and 110 islands. And mm-hmm. secondly, this the, the number of people registered to vote. And thirdly, <laughs> yeah. the way in which voting in Fiji is undertaken. And again, mm-hmm. man, much of this b- is based around the geography of the country. Mm-hmm. But to begin with, uh, what do you think of having just a, a, a unicameral a system in which you vote and everybody votes for one for one place and and, and the yeah. geographical distribution of uh list members really isn't taken mm-hmm. into account
1: yeah so i think i think that what we need something that's important to understand i think governing in a country like fiji is tricky it's 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 uh it's so dispersely spread out like you said and and smaller populations spread over a long large geographic spaces, the the perhaps either traditional or indigenous forms of uh, electoral process, um, how they would elect their leaders, I, I, I think probably doesn't necessarily strictly match up to a centralized uh, government like this. Um, so the, the, the practice of it is perhaps less common. So that's important to note. And. And so I think it, it just means that I think you are at a slightly a, a risk in in such a in a such a centralized form of uh, uh, electing your 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 representatives and and your your government that that the disconnect between the population and the government will just be even even further that that would be something I'd be a little worried about I think oh the other the other thing and I read about that I read about in a news article that I thought was interesting it was uh, that the parties have had to learn how to not run candidate like run candidates that wouldn't defeat each other yeah. in on the list um in order to get in. So so being very strategic about who you're putting on the list because otherwise you could just end up defeating yourself and, and not getting enough power in, in, in or not enough seats in the end. That's
0: exactly it. You have to run enough candidates that are similar to each other
1: <laughs> uh mm-hmm.
0: but also um will only steal votes from an opposition member uh, and not from yep. each other based and that that is kind of a problem uh with the the the, the list making
1: methodology yeah so that seems that does that seems like a, a bit of a problem it's it's hard for voters to know who they should be voting yeah. for in order to get the party that like i know that you are supposed to be electing an individual but you're also electing a party and and that ability to yeah. to know what you're you're voting for, I think, is is just obscured by it, would be my concern. Yeah.
0: Especially uh requiring this five percent threshold. Yes. There is there definitely requires some uh strategic uh voting for say say if you're an NFP member Mm -hmm. looking to get at least that five percent. Yes, yeah. And so I know that I had those two other points. We've seen voter lists come out or numbers of Mm -hmm. registered voters, which seem Mm -hmm. to be at odds. Potentially with the expected population.
1: Yeah, so that seems interesting. So the the Fijian electoral elections office, I guess, recently has stated that like that their census taking has been like verified and that there it's there's no way it could be wrong. But yeah, there is a significant discrepancy between the number of people that are registered to vote and the number of people who this the last census. and and like yeah i don't know how i mean i know that fiji like like according to statistics fiji's population is growing quite rapidly but even so it's mostly through like babies so those babies (laughs) can't possibly be voters yet so uh, yeah i i that does seem it's concerning that, that that has happened yeah but i think yeah on the other end though like there was a pretty low voter turnout for the uh for for the pre-voting, which we'll we'll speak about, but uh, for the pre-voting area, so maybe it just doesn't matter. Like if people aren't going to show up, then there being more people on the list than there should be is it's concerning though. Yeah. Certainly,
0: unless the people that are on the list twice then vote <laughs> twice, and yeah. other people don't show up at all, uh, then mm-hmm. yeah, there can then, definitely yeah. be major issues. And uh, of course, uh, the the confidence in what that office says about how no, 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 these lists are, are, are good. According Mm -hmm. to our numbers, Uh, there'd be a lot more confidence in, in, in those remarks and statements if the office wasn't staffed mainly by Fiji first uh, candidates. Yeah. But moving on from that, I think a final thing to touch on that's interesting about Fiji and this election is the amount of pre-polling that happens and how mm. it affects the turnout and how the government can see kind of what's happening in the lead-up? Like, there's there's really no polling that I can find recently, right? No, and it's not a lot. It's really, no, but this pre yeah. pre-polling is not what we would experience as like a mail-in ballot advanced advanced vote. Pre-polling really is your it's it's your voter day it's your yeah. election day ahead of the rest of the country
1: which i think so something i think we should mention is that the information sources on fiji are somewhat limited in that the primary news source out of fiji is very controlled by the fijian government yeah. but so from i think is also pretty influential on like the sort of sense of the numbers we can get about what is what is happening but even they were saying like i was reading yeah it's it. it, it you do get a number because the vote essentially gets counted for those pre-polling offices. I think they had. I think it'll be counted by Tuesday, or or was it last Tuesday? It it was. It it's coming up. They've they the they've all submitted their their votes and stuff. So they have a sense of who is doing well already, which is
0: yeah. And despite despite not uh, necessarily actually counting the ballots and looking at the names written down, but seeing mm-hmm. the demographics that came out to vote, uh yeah. the number of people from certain regions that generally vote a certain way coming out. Like Sodelpa, uh we were talking uh, before we started recording about really how they were they're generally their base and the only place that they get that they actually got a majority <laughs> of votes. Uh, in the twenty fourteen election was in the eastern scattered isle uh, scattered islands. they had really uh, yeah. strong strong turnout in the Lao group of islands. but for them to for them to really uh, move forward uh, and take a take a more central role in the government, they really have to uh, start winning in central Fiji mm-hmm. and so then the the government the 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 incumbent government who gets to see okay, what actually is the turnout here mm-hmm. in the Lao group and other, other scattered islands
1: particularly since they control the elections exactly if her
0: notes are are low then the government knows okay then we can we can spend our last bit of campaigning over here we can make these different choices and we can prepare for certain things based on voter turnout in historically strong regions of other parties
1: and then additionally like there was i mean again so a part of the reason why i mentioned this thing about the, the newspaper being controlled by the the primary the party in power is you got to think that that's a big part of communicating where these pre-polling situations are going to happen and and when they're going to happen i read an article that was saying like there were peoples whose places had changed but it was listed differently in the newspaper so they didn't know they were supposed to where they're supposed to go when they got there they said oh you have to go somewhere else because you're not on this list and that was it was like 10 kilometers away which I mean, presumably maybe, maybe you don't have a car or maybe you, you have a job or something like to, to have it be like you have to vote. It's not early voting. So you do have to vote within this yeah, exactly. time frame and then have that information poorly communicated or, or be changing or have limited locations you can go to vote. It just means that these these people located in this island, these islands that we're citing as, as being important for the other parties. Uh, to have difficulty getting to their polling places or to to vote is, uh, I think, a pretty big problem. Pretty pretty big problem for for Fiji's uh, uh, voting or uh, for democracy.
0: Yeah. So I guess we can more or less <laughs> leave it there. Generally, the the parties are polling essentially similar to their current seats in government, uh, with Fiji First uh, up at sixty eight percent, with their current seat count being in the in the low thirties. Sodelpa. Yeah. Polling at around twenty-two percent, whereas their current seat count is fifteen out of fifty. So they might looks like they might be losing some seats, in the NFP right on the verge of whether or not they will uh, be in parliament. Yeah,
1: and I think maybe just quickly to mention, like, sort of some of the big issues that Fiji is trying to is, is voting on, like the issues that matter um, to to a lot of the voters. Um, and I think probably especially in some of the uh, those outer islands that we were speaking about, where there is there is more issues with uh, poverty, and uh, and and perhaps and and employment and that sort of thing. Like the big, I, I think a big issue I kept reading for a lot of the parties was increasing minimum wage. To bring people from tw- like 28 percent of the population is below the poverty line and some of the parties are like you know promising to lower food costs or extend free education improving health care and then and you also look at like the population i, w- I was reading about the stats on it like 33 percent of the population is between zero to 14 years old so it, and and only four percent is over 65 yeah like those are the so you can see like it's a country that's that's it's coming up. It's got big things they got to address. Mm-hmm. And and probably, and based on like the way we were talking about the issues with poll, voters getting to the polls or issues with voters maybe not feeling like they should go to the poll to, they shouldn't risk the, the future in case there's another coup or something. Exactly. You can see like it's kind of, those are the voters that probably are also being most impacted by this, the issues of poverty, the issues of uh, of unemployment or, or uh, you know, growing youth population so so i think it's you know this is an important election in that for a lot of individuals who may not be actually getting the same freedom to participate in it though
0: mm-hmm. so the 2022 and 2026 uh, fijian elections will be Definitely ones to watch. Uh,
1: Yeah, hopefully, assuming they happen. Yeah. Sort of, they can be a bit irregular.
0: Quickly to note that uh, something that we like to keep tabs on, about 24% of the 234 candidates running for office in Fiji are women. uh, Mm -hmm. And uh, their place in the party lists uh, is obviously not determined by the party. So there's no minimal uh, number of uh, minorities or women listed every three or four seats on the on the list as we see in other countries so just one small note to keep tabs on as well
1: and i think that most of the women were in one particular party i can't remember which Mm -hmm. one it was so it's yeah but it is pretty it's yeah not the big issue and or it's it's a probably a big issue for the country but it's not something that they're really regulating for
0: and for those of you keeping tabs on probably about politics uh Mm. going forward um, we're looking to do another sweater run, and so send us a message, DM us on Twitter, or send us something on Facebook if you know who we are, and let us know that you want <laughs> a sweater because we're going to be doing another yeah. another run, hopefully sometime near Christmas, probably something like that.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I keep people keep telling me about it, but I need I, we need stuff in writing, guys. Exactly. We, we need keep, we reserve need
0: orders, in. and we're going to be we're going to be looking uh, for orders. Uh, starting uh, this week. So mid-November, we're going to start looking for orders, and we'll hopefully get uh, that order placed uh, pretty shortly after that. Uh, and secondly, to those of you who listen all the way to the end of the episode, which you should which you should be listening all the way to the end, so whoever is hearing this, uh, way to go. Thanks for being our number one devoted fan. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> look out for potentially a second episode uh, coming out uh, mid-late November, with a special guest for the first time.
1: Yeah, it's going to be a surprise. There's something in the but works, but who uh, who
0: knows? With that, thanks for listening to Probably About Politics. Find us on Twitter, at politics, or send us an email at politics at gmail.com.
1: Or subscribe
0: to the newsletter. Or subscribe to our newsletter. Uh, send us an email uh, uh, to get subscribed. Yep. We'll be coming to you now on Google Play soundcloud and spotify podcasts so
1: big three <laughs> big three we're, we're working on itunes but we got the big three <laughs> come on guys <laughs>
0: uh thanks for listening to probably Bo politics